Hey, we're back. Welcome to All 22. Uh, took a couple weeks off to do a lot of things. We appreciate your your patience there. Um, back this week with a double dose, so check out both episodes. Um, if you can, support us. Uh, obviously, subscribe, follow the podcast, whatever platform you use, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, but then also um, put your hat in our June giveaway. So this month we're focused on sort of Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, spreading education around uh, just, you know, racial discrimination, institutional and systemic racism. So, um, we're giving away your choice of uh, Relentless Love summer merch, so uh, tank top or crop top. And then you get two books this month instead of just picking one. One is The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein, and the other is The Spook Who Sat by the Door by Michael T. Martin. Both of them should be required reading. Um, you really should get both. And you can get them free, uh, well, semi-free. Uh, you can get them as a gift if you uh, take part in our giveaway. It's pretty simple. First step, go to relentless.love and give at least a $5 donation. The more money we bring in, the more uplifting content we can produce. Number two, like or follow us on two out of three of our social media pages. Instagram, at relentless.love. That's relentless, D-O-T, love. Twitter is relent.love. Again, relent, D-O-T, love. And then Facebook is relentless.love. Um, so give at least $5, like or follow two out of three social medias. Um, and the winner is going to be announced on our social media platforms the first week of July. Hope you support us and hope you enjoy the show. I guess you shouldn't start the show with saying I like your show topic. It's kind of, it's kind of arrogant. Um, but anyway, I think it's going to be fun. Kelly, what's going on, man? How's football practice? How's the new gig? We excited for you, but I don't want to spoil the, the good news. So we'll, we'll let you break it. Yeah, man. Hey, I got the shirt on too. Just, hey. you know, ironically, <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, we started, started up Monday. I'm at Coverbrook high school, uh, coaching the DBs up again. Um, yeah, we started off Monday. It's crazy because before GHSA uh, was, they had mandated a 24, no more than 24 kids at a time. So we had four groups and more than likely every other school had about, you know, between three and five groups because, you know, typically a team, unless you're like single A, you get, you got about 70 kids at least. Got about 70 kids. Your bigger programs have about a hundred or so especially if you're counting freshmen. But we had four groups for the first week. And then over the weekend, they pushed it to 50 at a time. And we have about between 70 and 80 kids. So we were, we were able to just, you know, split it into two groups. You know, I'm in that 7.30, 9.30 crew. And then we have a 10 o'clock to um, 12 p.m. crew. So, man, I, I'm adjusting to a schedule now. So I've been yeah. – I, I bet that's tired. lovely, though. No, it, it's good. It's just I know I told I told Janelle my first week is she said I'm not used to you seeing you like this. Like I get home <laughs> and I'm dead because <laughs> you got to think I'm, I'm I've been going to bed at like twelve, you know, uh-huh. maybe one o'clock. But hey, I wake up at nine or what eight o'clock, whatever. But now I got to be up at six, and Ooh. me. Like, I don't like to rush in the morning and I like to get to where I need to be ahead of time. So I get there at 7.15 just because, like I said, I don't want to rush. So yeah. I get up at 6. Um, then I lift after that. You're an animal. <laughs> and, hey, man, if I, if I drive to the gym 
right after practice, then my energy is going down. So I just yeah. go ahead and get it, you know, get it out of the way. Yeah. Then I got to deal with my daughter. She just turned three today, by the way. So happy birthday, Corey. She's she, she's running everywhere, but <laughs> yeah, man, this, this week has been a struggle. But next week I'll be good. It, it take me about a week to adjust. So pretty it's, much it, you it, never it, stop working out. Oh uh, yeah. Because having a three year old is a workout. Exactly. Workout. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, man, I'm adjusting, but I'm I'm just happy to be on that field again. That's what's up, man. I know I'm happy with you here. We happy you there. Um, can't wait till you get that job at University of Alabama. Uh, <laughs> Soon come. <laughs> hey, I'm with it, bro. Uh, that's what's up, man. Uh, yeah, I actually this past weekend I drove down to my family's house uh, in Georgia. So there's actually a, a, a three and a five year old running around. In the background, y'all shouldn't be able to hear them, but if you do, it's fine. Uh, there's nowhere to like hey, set we, up. Uh, we have high quality audio, so you might hear them now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this might catch you. that high quality, uh, hot mic, uh, but it's all good. You'll you'll be able to hear us just just yeah. fine. So, um, cool, man. I think we got a pretty good show today. I keep saying that, man. What arrogance. Um, yeah, but hey, it is what it is. Man. <laughs> I mean, you don't put out content that you think isn't good. So. Exactly. And if you do, then something is wrong. Time to dial it back. Exactly. Um, so we're going to dive into top 10 DBs of all time later. Last episode, we did top 10 DBs right now. This top 10 DBs of all time list was hard for me to make. I don't, I don't know about you, but um, I struggled, bro. It took, it took a mighty it, long time. It was... Um, <laughs> Already had a few in mind. Honestly, like one through five, it was kind of like, okay. Yes. I know them. I know who needs to be in the top five, but I need to go look at these numbers and how much of an impact they had on the game and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, six through ten, I'm like. Ooh, that was tough. Eight, eight, nine, ten. I wanted to put some guys, but then Man. I'm like, those guys weren't, you know. I don't want to say weren't good, but not as good as I thought they were. Yeah. Or some of the other guys were like, oh, they were really good. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it was it was, it was, was tough. That was the challenge. That was actually harder than for me than a top 10 quarterback of all time. Because there was there's a, there's a pretty decent drop between like 12, 13, and then the rest of the list. We talk about quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. But, like, I left a lot of good guys. I left a lot of great guys off this list, um, which, you know, when I sat down to do this and we, you know, determine a topic i was like oh that's a piece of cake because you automatically think about the top five it's like oh that's easy but i mean it's a lot of a lot of historical dogs who played in the secondary was like man man. i gotta leave all these guys off the list um so that's gonna be fun that's gonna be fun to talk about um but we're gonna start off with with bill simmons um who uh who's in some hot water he's kind of always in hot water which i guess is part of his brand um he's the He's not Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless, he says some pretty intelligent things. He just has his, he has his brand and he goes, he has his way of going about, you know, how he causes controversy or whatever. He, yeah. he, he says the same type of things, but he also says some smart things. Bill Simmons is just Bill Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like I, I'm not going to crap on the guy just because, you know, he said one tone deaf and awful thing. I think I'm going to make it clear from the outgo that he, t- he says a lot of yeah. stupid and tone deaf things. Yeah. Um, and if you know anything about his work, you know that. So this isn't even like a old cancel culture. Everybody's mad at Bill Simmons now. Like, no, he's been problematic. He's been <laughs> I realized that ever since he shared, I don't know if it was his book or uh, article or something where he was like, he pulled the goalie on his wife, which is pretty much just um, 
you know, lying about birth control and just getting your wife pregnant against her will, which, you know, is pretty serious, um, yeah. <laughs> but different conversation. Uh, yeah. But anyway, like this isn't crap on Bill Simmons hour. It's just acknowledging that, hey, Bill Simmons is kind of stupid and does crazy things sometimes. And this is just another one of those things. Um, but particularly in lieu of where our world is right now, on his podcast, Ryan Rosillo, another white guy um, yeah. from Boston, which, pause, Boston is like the Mississippi of the Northeast. Um, and I've just, I've never liked Boston. As a matter of fact, I don't never. know any, I think I know one black person who likes Boston, but like, even my parents, aunts, like uncles, like in like the, the 90s. Like the city or, are you talking about? Well, the city. I mean, oh, teams, okay, teams. I got you, I got you. But the city's crap. Um, yeah. And because like, this isn't like a new thing. Like I, people I'm close to, older black people have always been like, yeah, Boston is like Mississippi. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, but you got two guys from Boston on the podcast, two white guys, so take that what you will. But anyway, basically, Rosillo, who used to be at ESPN, and was actually, I'm not going to lie, was uh, part of one of the best radio shows uh, in sports history to me with uh, SVP and Rosillo years ago. Gotcha. But uh, basically credited bill simmons on his hiring diversity um even though simmons uh ended up saying and i'm paraphrasing um you know we don't have a lot of diversity in our podcast network because uh we are a business and not uh open mic so that led to a lot of a lot of uh backlash and you know very much so valid critique um i'm gonna read off some things here just for for context and then we'll dive into it but uh, the Ringers Union actually tweeted this out on June uh, June 1. It said, quote, in 2019, 86% of speakers on the Ringer Podcast Network were white. We have zero black editors. We have zero black writers assigned full-time to the NBA or NFL beats. Our union is currently bargaining for practices to improve our diversity and inclusion. I will dive more into some of the other tweets that he put up, but I want to address that specifically because we've talked about that in depth. I think we talk about it fairly often. I'm never going to stop talking about it is – we need to recognize how incredibly problematic it is that a major sports outlet has zero black writers assigned to the full-time NBA and NFL beats. And, and, and this is, we talked about this with, you know, black quarterbacks, coach hiring, everything else. How do you, how do you only have white people talking about the NBA and the NFL? Like that is an absolute joke. Like if you only got white guys talking about baseball or hockey, that's fine. Not, and that's not being discriminatory. That's just those sports largely are, are white guys, especially Americans who play that sport. So we need to change that as well, but that makes sense. But the, the fact that you only, you don't have any full-time people talking about the two sports to have the, the largest percentage of black people that play them, you know, I think that's, that's incredibly problematic. Now to, to send the comment. Um, and I'm gonna just go ahead and say this. Uh, I'm gonna actually read off this tweet from June 22nd. Uh, someone responded, LOL, Bill Simmons gave his teenage daughter a podcast, has his son on many podcasts, employs his nephew as a producer, gave two podcasts to a friend whose main personality is, quote, I enjoy eating food. Um, I, I could go down the list, bro, but I, 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 I'm trying to get an understanding and like a little bit of a take on, you know, how we continue to just allow the amplification of white voices and it's like I'll I'll say this Simmons wasn't bad when he was at ESPN and people can crap on ESPN sort of all they want and I totally understand the crapping on ESPN like we're not we're not removing ESPN or Disney and their problematic nature but I think like some of these guys leave that setting 
leave those editors, leave that, you know, system that has a check and balance on, you know, what they're putting out and just go berserk. And I think that's what we've seen a lot of from both Simmons and Rosillo. What, what, what's going on there, man? Do you read The Ringer? Do you listen to any of their podcasts? I don't just because it's them, <laughs> to be honest. Fair. Um, the, the, yeah, like, I, I don't understand how, like you said, football, American football, NFL, and NBA are majority black. And we're not here to say white people can't be good at any one of those sports. And we're not here to say all black people are good at both of those sports, but it's not a, it's really a slap in the face because not even if you think that, or for one, like you can't, you can't go to work every day. You can't hire these people and not have in your mind that, Hey, I don't have any color <laughs> in this room or on my staff. You, you can't do that. And when you're talking about these folks, you're talking about, you know, aside from quarterbacks who are mostly white in the NFL, aside from, you know, your foreign player, honestly, in the NBA, most of them are black. <laughs> most of the stars, the people who they talk about on a daily basis from those two sports are the people that you don't even see in your building. Hello. So it's like <laughs> you're actively that's not a subconscious thing anymore because heck no, it's not subconscious. You can't blame it on. Well, they don't see you. You don't see who you're talking about every day. Yeah. That's not subconscious. You're doing that. Right. And we're not here to say anybody is racist, but something is going on where you don't hire any black guy (laughs) and the sport you're talking about has majority black people. Something's going on. It makes no and sense. It makes no sense. And and I hate it. Um, Bill Simmons used to be, was he on NBA Countdown? Yeah, he was. he's awful on television. He's awful <laughs> on television. Awful. And so when he got on television, I, I didn't know him like pre. I, I didn't know much about him pre-NBA Countdown. So when he got on television, like, why is this dude even on television? So I'm assuming he's a great writer and, you know, things like that. And not saying all his work is bad. It's just, for one, I don't, anybody who's has a large bias on who they like, I don't like to pay attention to him anyway. That's real. And so like Ben Simmons, he's everything Boston. And bro, like if you're a fan, cool, I don't care. But if you're on TV and you're writing and things like that, some of the bias has to come out of that. Because I remember when they they signed, when uh, Celtics signed Kyrie Irving, he put out a tweet <laughs> like um, 20, 2019, 2020, 2021 champions, Boston Celtics. Yeah. I'm so glad that came back on him. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> and if we're being honest, so you got the Red Sox. I think they won a championship recently. Um, the Celtics, Danny Ainge is not going to – he's just not going to get them over the hump. Like, it, I don't know what he's doing. He's – he values draft picks too much over players. He values young players over, Facts. you know, proven talent. I'm like, dude. Facts. Jalen Brown should have been gone a couple years ago when he had more trade value. Even Jason Tatum, we keep saying that he's a potential all-NBA guy. He's just an all-star. 
That's it. He's, he's 22 and six. Yep. And he's going to have some great playoff games, but that's just who he is. Yep. Not, not bad, but, you know, you're, you're, you're potentially keeping your team from getting a championship by keeping a player who you're waiting to blossom. But anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, Simmons, um, Simmons is one of those guys who's just totally biased. You know, nothing is bad about Boston. You know, he might even say he's never heard anybody say anything racist in Boston. You know, that's just who he is. So I don't see color. Yeah, he he's. I'm pretty sure he's one of those I don't see color guys. <laughs> and yeah, man, it, it's just it's crazy how, like you said, you you can't go around and look at your building every single day, and not think about, hey, I don't hire any black people. Yeah. And he's not thinking about it because he has to be doing that on purpose. <laughs> he has to be. Yeah, I. I it's, I, it's definitely intentional, um, I think, mostly because I, I, I feel like part of their their shtick is, like, brash, inappropriate, frat yes. boy, frat white boy, you know? So you can't bring a black person, a black guy, your typical black guy, <laughs> yeah. into that environment. Exactly. Because you're not going to have a guy who's, you know, just cutting, cutting jokes with him and not saying they say racist things or anything, but just the white frat boy is not, you know, your typical NBA guy or something like that. Like they're not they're not gonna get a former player, professional player to come and talk to them, you know, be a host on that show. They're not gonna get yeah. that guy. I think the biggest thing with him, man, is yeah, I could I could go on and on with this and I and I won't, but um there's one guy, Lester the writer on Twitter on, on yesterday said, uh, quote, Bill Simmons is a reminder that white bosses never hire black people because we, quote unquote, lack experience. That's making sure we never actually get any experience and they can pretend like we're never qualified for any job. Uh, meanwhile, he gave his effing teenage daughter a podcast. I mean, that, that pretty much sums things up better sums than up. better than <laughs> I can. Um, yeah. it's, it's, you know, border, it's prejudice, it's bias, it's nepotism at its highest form. Uh, coincidentally, it's it's the same things that are top level problems in the NFL and the NBA. Yep. Um, different conversations. Same as that thing. Same you know, as that thing. Exactly. <laughs> like different conversations we've had here before. I'll say that. Look, you know, I don't I don't listen to any of their podcasts. I gave the NFL show a try a try a little while back, and then I quit that because it just it just wasn't that informative to me. Um, I did like Simmons' writing. I liked it when he was at ESPN. I actually enjoyed – it's another thing because he had Grantland. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read almost everything on Grantland, but there was an incredible diversity at Grantland. I mean, black writers, women writers. I read everything by Rembert Brown. I'm not sure where he is now from a publication standpoint, but there was a whole lot more diversity there, which I think really speaks to what – he believes as far as putting out content because when he got from under a, uh, an umbrella of checks and balance of ESPN slash Disney, mm -hmm. now he's in full or, you know, semi full control and you see the difference in diversity. Yep. And so this is who you really are, bro. Yeah, um, this, yep. <laughs> because you've been in environments where you've seen the diversity. You've been at ESPN, you were at Grantland, you had more control, but you still saw that. Like this is exactly who you are. And that's cool if you really believe it, but it's like, you know, I, when I think about it, I put it this way, like, you know, who would I rather listen to or engage with or get content from if they weren't at ESPN, you know, cause Simmons gotcha. has never been good besides being a writer. He's an excellent yeah. writer. 
I'm, I'm not I'm not one of those people that just because I don't like somebody, I'm going to deny that they're good at what they do. Top-notch writer. I've never liked him on TV. I've never liked him on podcasts. Anything where I have to hear his voice, I'm good. Free me. But like, it makes me, it makes me wonder like, like, what are they, what are they paying like a Bomani Jones? And what are they paying? Like, it's another guy, I forget his name, but he's on PTI pretty often. He's a black guy um, who's one of the smartest guys in sports broadcast I've ever encountered. And I'm gonna look it up in a minute, but like, I know what you're talking about. What are y'all paying these guys that they haven't decided like they can go out on their own? Because I want to hear content and see what content looks like from those kind of people. Michael Smith. Michael Smith, him too. He's not on there no more though. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so I'm not giving Bill Simmons any pads. I'm not giving Ryan Vasillo any pads. It's just who they are. And, you know, that's cool. You can continue to be yourself. Um, I'm going to be on a crusade for people not to engage with your content, number one. And number two, like, there's this idea that, oh, you know, these are just the people that are available. And it's like, look, there are plenty of people making quality content talking about all these things. It's just hard to break through for a lot of the racial uh, and, and prejudice systemic issues we have in this country. Like one of the main reasons you and I are where we are and not a whole lot more, you know, profitable or with, you know, listenership. And it's cool. Like we admit where we are. It's just like, look, we don't have money from auntie and grandma to start a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have venture capital money. So like everything we do is, is sort of organic growth and, you know, go try to record a podcast and edit and put up videos and content. Else. Like it takes time and we still work full time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. but, but like, there are tons of people making quality content who are black and Latinx and so on and so forth and just can't break through. And that is the problem. And like his response, his initial response to that is like, it's not open mic night, but you have people who can, and this, this, and then I'll, I'll shut up after this. I'm not giving him, uh, I'm not letting him off either because he's got an organization to where you can go out and you can recruit diversity to hire. And this is coming from somebody who's hired people and who's had to be intentional about how do I find people? How do I recruit them? How do I sell them on this uh, idea of coming to work for my company? I've had to do that. Like, all right, do black people see this list? Do black people engage with this? Is this somewhere where a Latinx person will find it? Will Asian Pacific Islander see this? Will a woman, you know, be able to engage with this? Like, those are things that I've intentionally done as a business person myself and as somebody who's hired from major organizations. And he's got that capability. So if you want diversity, yeah. you can have it and you can you find can. it. And, and it's even more tone deaf to me. And it shows me like these people really aren't smart because there's a market for that too. Like there's a market for niche black content. There's a market yeah. for niche Latinx and women content, especially within the confines of sports and culture. Like, so if I just wanted to be a business person and maximize my bottom line, I would focus on finding people. And so basically just so that you're tone deaf, number one, number two, you've got these implicit bias. And number three, you're just, I don't want to call him an idiot, but <laughs> just not thinking holistically about how he can improve his profit margin, which, you know, if that's what he wants to do. I'm with it. I'm not going to listen to your stuff or read your stuff anymore. But, hey. Um, yeah, it goes to, like, if, even if, let's just say I, I hated, let's say I hated everyone but Black people. But I'm a business, I, I just, and I'm a business owner. The smart thing to do was still to be to hire these other you know, just be diverse in my company, <laughs> like you said, to an increased profit margin. Makes too much and sense. And it just makes too much sense. So he's obviously, granted, you know, he, he has his money, but it's very intentional to not be diverse because everybody knows who Bill Simmons is. Like it or love him, 
you know, you know who he is and you, we know, okay, this guy, you know, he has enough, I don't know what his net, uh, net worth is, but you know, he has money. So he's intentionally not trying to increase his profits by yeah. not being diverse in this company, which doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah. But hey, that's on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's comfortable where he's at now, I get it, you know, but, yeah. um, I don't know. Welcome to, uh, I mean, I know, I know a couple, I don't know a couple guys. I know one guy from Boston who's a good human being. Um, and I'm sure more exist. I only know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Ryan. Um, all right. Anyway, that's, uh, that's that. That's our dose of the culture for the week. A top 10 DBs <laughs> of all time. Bro, this list was hard. I'm going to reiterate how hard this list was probably over and over again. Um, I'm explain sort of how I went about it. Uh, and then, and then I'm sure you, you know, you had breakdown statistical metrics, um, and then looked at people's footwork and all this stuff. So Kelly's list is probably way more reliable than, I, than my list. So let's just ignore that right now. Um, but I, I just went off the top of the head. Yeah. And I was just like, all right. In my mind, immediately, who are the best DBs of all time? And so I just wrote until I, until I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't think of it anymore. And then uh, I did, did some research, and I was like, all right, you got to put these guys into the list. Mm -hmm. So off my brain dump, I had – Jack Tatum, Mel Blunt, Rodney Harrison, Darren Sharper, Richard Sherman, Darrell Revis, Ty Law. I don't know why Patrick Peterson was on this list, but he popped up in my head. Um, Daryl Green, Chet Bailey, and then Dion, Charles, Ed, Palomalu, Ronnie Lott. Now, then I went and did a little bit of research, uh -huh. and I was like, all right, you got to include these guys. Uh, <laughs> Dick LeBeau, Lester Hayes, Mel Renfro, Mike Haynes, Herb Adderley, Steve Atwater, Paul Krause, Emlyn Tunnel and Dick Night Train Lane. I'm beating myself up for not remembering Night Train Lane and Steve Atwater. Uh, yeah, Night Train was the guy. Yeah, <laughs> man. The other, the other guys, I'm like, all right, this is okay. They just show my age a little bit. But there's no reason somebody yeah. who likes football in the history of as much as me can leave Night Train Lane and Steve Atwater off the initial list. So y'all can beat me up for that. That's fine. Um, but that was sort of like my initial foray. And then I dropped it into the top 15 and went from there. But what was your, what was your methodology, bro? Um, I, I kind of did the same. I had some in mind. Um, um, disclaimer, Charles Wilson is my uh, favorite DB of all time. So I was like, I wanted to put, I, I really wanted to put him one, but you know, I refrained from <laughs> letting my bias, my bias sneaking, uh, sneaking into the conversation. So I do have him really high, but uh, he's not number one on my list. So kind of a kind of a um spoiler but i thought about um how versatile the versatile piece was very big to me like um if you're versatile then you 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 got more points for me so let's just say like i just mentioned charles wilson so charles wilson played corner most of his career, uh, his first half of his career, and then moved to safety. Typically, when you make that move, then you're on a decline. He yeah. gets to sell that both positions. So versatility was big on my list. Uh, then I went to stats. All right, so mm. kind of kind of backwards, but um, went versatility first, then went to stats. Okay, how many interceptions did you have? Not just interceptions. So I have a lot of hybrid guys higher than you know just corners because yeah. I mean, obviously corners, you know, you shut down your half of the field, then you're pretty good. But I'd rather start, if I'm starting my defense, and I had this in mind, if I'm starting my defense, I want a guy who takes the ball away, who can get sacks, 
you know, who can uh, reroute whoever they cover and can cover multiple positions. So I was thinking about that. So versatility stats and um, kind of a guy who my third one was, okay, did you lead your – first, if you, did you lead your defense? Were you the leader of your defense? Yeah. Or uh, did you make multiple all-pros? Because all, all, Pro Bowl is one thing. Pro Bowl, even though like some of these older guys, Pro Bowl used to, the Pro Bowl used to be a better game. Yeah. Um. So I took that into account too. But All Pro means you were the best at that position that year. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, I'm okay. You got like five, six, seven All Pros. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Ridiculous, bro. If you get one All Pro, that's like okay. Yeah. Well, I had a great year. So you're talking about three or four, and typically if you if you're reeling off a lot of all pros like that, they're like in back-to-back -back years, or they're pretty close. So your peak, this is where you're getting all pros. And how long was your peak? So yeah, I took those um, things into account. That was big for me too, man. I think we had a lot of the same the same uh, sort of metrics there. So before we drop, got, ooh, can I talk? Before we dive into the top 10, um, a few notes. I did the same thing. So versatility was big for me. If you played corner and safety, that was big. I added another layer to that. Like, how long did you play corner yep. before switching to safety? I think that mm -hmm. says a lot sort of about just uh, just the, the versatility throughout your career. Um, I was the same way. How long was your peak? Which we'll talk very in-depth uh, about with one particular guy um, who I swore was going to be on this list before I started it. But I was like, <laughs> he's not anywhere near uh, in this list. You probably know what I'm talking about. Um, some caveats here. A lot of secondary stats are some things that just – kind of just came into fruition like I don't think they took track of passes passes defended until 1999 so you yeah, know it wasn't, yeah yeah a lot a lot of these guys I mean honestly the top five guys on my list um like a good portion of their career has no passes defended but interception are still there so there's still you know a portion of that um and here are the the two things that helped me sort of when I was really close on a guy and couldn't quite determine, all right, is he five? Is he six? Is he nine, 10? Is he not on the list? Um, or two things. One, can you tackle? Yeah. Uh, and, or were you always making business decisions? We'll talk about somebody who made a lot of business decisions. Um, and then two is my guiding question for like really tough calls was, all right, would you be an elite DB in 1950, it, it, yeah. 1980, yeah. 2010, and now? Um, yeah. And I think that's the big that's the big sort of differentiation because a lot of guys who played DB back then couldn't play now, and a lot of guys who play DB now could not play DB as recently as 2000, bro. Like the game has changed, or at least not play at a high level. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the game has changed so much with with the rules or whatever. So like, all right, could I put you know could I put Dick Knight Train Lane in 2020 and he being elite DB? We'll talk about him, but I'll go ahead and spoil it. Yes. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a easy one. Um, I want to first dive in, like who just missed, um, my list and then definitely share yours, bro. Uh, Mike Renfro just missed my list, a male Renfro rather. Um, and then Dick LeBeau just missed it. Dick LeBeau was 11. That joint was tough to me. Um, cause I went back and looked at a lot of his, a lot of his tape, uh, which I was actually surprised how much tape I, I was able to find on like Dick LeBeau and. Mel Blunt. You can find some highlights. Man, yeah. Like you can't find full games like you can, yeah. you know, Ronnie Lott. You can find a lot of Ronnie Lott games. That thing, I was actually surprised by that. But um, 
Yeah, he was a machine. Now, he clotheslined a lot of guys, so that wouldn't be quite legal today. Uh, but definitely a good play on the ball, you know, could read quarterback's eyes, uh, got guys off, off their spots a lot. So uh, it was tough to leave him off. Uh, I had to leave Champ Bailey off. Um, as, oh, man. <laughs> as great, I know, I know. It was tough. As, as great as Champ is, um, Champ was – I think Champ made two All-Pro, first-team All-Pro teams, which I think he made two. And I'm, I'm going to look it up in a minute. It was two or three. Okay. But it wasn't three, three, three first team all pros. You know, pro and and it's like you it's like it's like you said, you know, like if you're making three all pros, that's still legit. You're one of the best ever. Let's clarify that. But mm-hmm. I think for people like you you and I's age, we think a champ as close to the greatest ever. And yeah, when I dived into, you know, not some of the stats, obviously, but also you know, I looked at some of the tape. Um is he one of the best ever? Absolutely. Does he belong in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. He's not Terrell Davis. Um, but, you know, when I, when I, when I went through some of it, I would have – I put a lot on all pros because the all pro teams are when it's incredibly clear, look, I was the best guy or one of the best guys at my position mm-hmm. that year. Um, and, and for him to only have three, I, I compared that to sort of how we thought about him for 12 years, if that makes gotcha. sense. And so that that took me aback a little bit. And it's like, hmm, all right. So you had you had, had a pretty extended peak, but you know, over a decade, for seven years, there were folks who thought that there were two guys at your position better than you. That's mm-hmm. tough. Um, so I just missed Champ. And then when people are like, Fred, no Darrell Rivas? No. Um, and like remember, this is top ten of all time. So there are people who don't make this list who are excellent DBs. Yeah, that's that, yeah. Got to remember that. Got to remember that. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Top bro, ten. Somebody has to be off. Some somebody got to be off. A lot of somebody's got to be off. And and Revis was Revis is the best DB I've ever seen live. All right, Peak Darrell Revis could not be stopped. There was one side of the field that literally was was off limits. Um, but Revis's peak was not long. And it wasn't man that. And I think that's what we got to highlight. And I, I, I didn't realize. I mean, I realized it, but like when I started, it's really about started, four or five years. It's about, it was about five. His first five. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, he was great. He was, he was the best when he was at his peak. Um, but his peak wasn't as short as Terrell Davis's, but it was short. So those, those were my <laughs> hey, guys. We gotta start. We gotta <laughs> keep bringing up Terrell Davis. Got and, to. And probably a great guy. Like I don't know too much about him, but. It's, the numbers just don't stack up. And with Hall of Fame, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You can talk about, you know, when you say, okay, who's the greatest player of the game right now? Things like, listen, the Hall of Fame, only numbers matter. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all we're here yeah. for. And I don't want I don't want Pro Football Hall of Fame to become the Basketball Hall of Fame. So I'm going to keep saying it. But anyway. And that's what's – I mean, we could – you can hear the names. The basketball. It's not the NBA. It's the right, basketball. Right. Right. Yeah. Hey, that's. Dang, so. Cool. <laughs> yeah, man. We should um, go by the NBA Hall of Fame, though. Man, they should. <laughs> they should. They should. I had. Um, I had Ty Law right outside. And I, I struggled with. I struggled with. Ty, I honestly struggled with Ty Law and, and Darrell Reeves. Because both of them, I don't think people give Ty Law enough credit. He was locked down. 
Uh, he was he was literally shutting down half the field before Darrell Revis was even in college. Oh, he was a beast. So, so um, yeah, he and he had 53 um, career interceptions. Revis didn't have as many interceptions, but like you said, he literally just shut it down. They didn't throw his way. So uh, you have to watch the game for contest as well. But 53 interceptions. Um, no player in NFL history has intercepted Peyton Manning more than Ty Law, which was nine total. Man. And literally, he he was kind of the sole reason the Colts couldn't get over the hump, the 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 Patriots hump. He, yeah. He was like just toy. <laughs> he would toy with Peyton Manning. Just playing with that guy. Like, so, yeah, I, I, I wanted to put him in, and I, I almost had him at number 10, but I kind of left him off. I, I left him off because of uh, those reasons. He, only, he made two all-pro teams, which I need to go back and look at <laughs> those years and see who made it over him and kind of compare the stats. Yeah. Um, and my other guy, I left, I left Atwater off my top 10 what? and <laughs> I, I left them off and I think the guys the safeties especially that I have over him are better I honestly think and I don't know if people are going to agree with me I would I prefer Troy Palomalu over him Oh my goodness! I prefer I prefer Troy. Okay, that's and, I, and I might I might even put I might even put Dawkins over him. Oof. And 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 I don't think Dawkins get a, enough credit because you you see him as just that you know that hard hitter and things like that. But the the guy had over a thousand tackles. He had over twenty sacks, over twenty interceptions, over twenty four fumbles. He made some plays, man, and he was the anchor. He, when you talked about Philadelphia, you talked the Philadelphia defense. You talked yeah. about Brian Dawkins. Oh yeah, and with the Palomalu take, no, he wasn't better than Eric Reed because I, I hate no. when I see that on Twitter. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's no, no, it's not even a conversation. <laughs> and, and and then people say, well, Ed wasn't a hitter like Palomalu, dude. YouTube is free. What? <laughs> YouTube is free. Like, did you watch now, football? And then Palomalu played strong safety. He had, yes, he had interceptions, but every can play down, he can play up, he can cover. I remember a, a, a third down and eight when he um, swatted. I, I vividly remember this because this was the famous Lee Evans, uh, Billy Condiff game. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it was third, it was like third and six. Palomalu's man to man. I think he was he was against um the the murderer Aaron Hernandez and <laughs> blanket coverage, you know, PBU, Ravens get the ball back, draw the ball, and you know, the rest is history. Anyway, that play like stands out in my mind because I'm like, the guy can play man, he can play uh a middle field safety and anyway, I'm not even gonna get into Air BB because we're gonna talk. He's definitely on both of our lists, but Oh yeah, um, yeah, man. I, I had him, and, I, and like you said, not saying that this guy wasn't good, but you know, two-time, two-time All-Pro. He had a lot of tackles, twenty-four interceptions. Um, he he literally was Palomalu before Palomalu. Palomalu, I think, affected the game a little bit more. So that's why I kind of had him outside my list. That's but fair. I'm not mad at him being top ten. <laughs> that's fair. Um, you know. 
This is a hard list, man. It's a hard see, you don't <laughs> see what I'm saying? And and a lot of these players are similar. Like Troy Palomalu, Brian Dawkins, and Steve Atwater, live the same type of player. Same type of player. And then so you got those, you gotta stack them up. Okay, how did they play? Then you gotta look at the stats. Then you gotta look at okay. Were they on number one defenses? Were they the leaders? And you know things like that. So that that's that's why it was a, it was a struggle with six to ten. <laughs> no, nah, that makes sense. Uh, so he, who who did you have at number ten? Ten. Um, I had Emily Tunnel. And yeah, I'm gonna read off these. You got them just. I wanted listen. I wanted to, but seventy nine career interceptions. I know. I looked at that in in the era he played. It was crazy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. He played from forty eight to sixty one. Forty eight to sixty one. He's on the NFL all time team, uh, NFL one hundred all time team, um, two thousand nineteen. Seventy nine interceptions. That's ridiculous. Seventy nine. Eight time All Pro. That would be ridiculous if you play now. Yes, dude. If this thing, like, if if you see a guy that has six interceptions, that's a good year. That's a good year, six interceptions. Once it's past six, it's like, oh, bro, that's great. When you get into that seven, eight, nine, you see a guy get ten interceptions. Oh, he's that's he's a ball time. hawk. Yeah. And even if you're if you average four interceptions a year, you play twelve years. That's forty eight. Yeah. So. Here or there, you're going to have your spikes, you know. But, you know, you consistently – this guy, 79 interceptions. <laughs> you you can't argue with that, man. That is crazy. He only played 12 years. He got me changing my list in, <laughs> in real time. And I battled with 12. that. I had, uh, my I'm going to – what, 79 divided by 12? Yeah, see what I'm saying? That's, that's six and a half a year. But that's consistency every year. Major consistent have you get the six to seven interceptions for you. And this was this is when they play like twelve games, so it wasn't yeah, even a sixteen exactly. game season. And exactly. it wasn't a whole lot of teams, you know, in shotgun, if any, in nineteen fifty. And, and and here's another, um, here's another thing. He played for the Giants in Green Bay. Frigid cold. Cold. <laughs> no and he's gloves, just nabbing in, no gloves. He's just nabbing <laughs> interceptions. So. I, I, like I, I haven't watched much film. I'm gonna be honest. I went just by stats on this one. Yeah, I, I could, I couldn't leave him off. Yeah. No, <laughs> so I'm with you. Team. I'm with you, man. I, I. So I'm, I'm changing because I had Herb Adderley <laughs> at number ten. Okay. Uh, who played for the Packers, um, and who from from '61 to '72. So my eleven was Dick LeBeau, and my twelve was Tunnel, and my thirteen was was Champ. Fourteen was Reeves. But yeah, I mean, when you make the argument, and I saw that I was like seventy-nine picks in in the in the fifties and, yeah. and late forties, and see, I really, I really wish, which I don't know why it took them so long to start counting tackles, but I really want to yeah. see, you know, That's what crazy. kind of tackler he was. He, he had to be good because he played in that era. All they did was run the ball. They ran sweeps. Yeah, yeah. he had to be a beast of a tackler. Um, I found I found a few things uh, online, not too much, but. Uh, incredible speed. Obviously, he's playing against a bunch of white guys back then. So, um, <laughs> and maybe that's part of what we got to take into account, right? Like, maybe know, he can. But just, he still has to make the play. Still got to make the play. Exactly. The, the ball comes your way. 
He could have had 79 deflections, but he had 79 interceptions. 79 interceptions. <laughs> I wonder how many pass deflections. That's what I'm saying. That's, anyway, oh my God. Hey, man. See, now I'm mad it took so long for stats to evolve. Um, anyway, it's whatever. Like you said, four-time <clears throat> All-Pro. I'm taking Herb Adderley off, which you hurts me <laughs> because I'm switching him to 11 and putting Tunnel at, at, at 10. I had Adderley at 10, um, basically. And he's got some good film out there. Yeah. Uh, speedster can come up, make a tackle. They obviously didn't keep sacks until the 80s, so we didn't get a chance to see that. But he's got 48 career uh, interceptions himself and That's played lot, for played for Vince Lombardi <clears> and Tom <throat> Landry. You know, those were no-nonsense guys. I can't imagine either of them having corners out there who couldn't tackle. So exactly. He was, he was a big-time player uh, who could come up and make the tackle. And then, forty, like I said, 48 picks, even in the 60s and early 70s, that's a lot. You're still not passing lot. the football a lot yet. Um, when you when you got into the about the eighties, especially the mid eighties and beyond, that's when you're like, okay, I can see why he had these numbers. Exactly. But before that, guys weren't passing ball. Everybody yeah. wasn't, you know, Joe Namath. And like I you mean, said, well, even even that, yeah, well, Johnny, you. Um, but even that, like <laughs> his interception numbers, like seven and sixty-two. You know, six and sixty-five. You know, six in nineteen seventy-one, so on and so forth. That's still fourteen games. You know, I mean, you gotta yep. take into account, like, you know, playing fourteen games instead of sixteen over the period of twelve years. You know, where these guys' numbers could have been. Yep. Um, at about, at about twelve. Exactly. One, one more per year. Who knows? Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad one, you and I know what we're talking about, but in two, paying homage to some of these older guys because it's yep. like. You know, the, the they helped build the game, and they definitely still deserve credit for that. It was tough. I went ahead and – so I'm switching out of Lee with Tunnel. That was a hard one, but that was my All 10. Right. Um, at number nine, and I know I'm going to get backlash for this, but I got Troy Palomalu. You got him? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm honestly not mad at it. <laughs> I'm not mad at it because, dude, he, he had a run where he was just – I we're both Ravens fans, as y'all know. I hated him. <laughs> oh yeah Without I question. hated him because he was Joe Flacco's nemesis like he just always just he found a way to screw it up but he if just the game was close, if the game was close I was like well Joe about to make a play Joe about to do something stupid literally my mindset <laughs> and yeah he was just it was literally like and I, I forgot where I read this but it's it's like having 12 or 13 players on the field with him because he was that, he was just that smart. Exactly. Yeah, the football intelligence was absolutely off the charts. Um, what 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 keeps him at nine for me is two things. One, he was relatively ador- adorable, durable, um, but he only played sixteen games. I think four times. So, and and anybody who watched him play, and I was an avid football watcher during the entirety of his career. Um, he was always hurt in some capacity. Now, a lot of times he played through that, but, you know, there's still that element of just like, you know, is he going to play? Is he always healthy? Yada, yada, yada. And there were some games, especially later in his career, where you could tell when he was hurt. Like, he was not the 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 same playmaker, the same guy who could disrupt things. He fell out. Like, his, he his when hard. he declined, it was hard. Um, and but he was like, you know, it's my time. I'm out. Yep. <laughs> He's like, I'm not sticking around here. See, so I can boot me around. Tell me I no longer got it. Um, so really, really for him, man, his peak is 2004 to 2011, and it is an exceptional That's peak. That's strong. Yes. So <laughs> we're not here to argue with that with anybody. From 04 to 11, four-time All-Pro. I I don't care about Pro Bowls. Four-time All-Pro. So beast. Won a couple rings. I'm here for it. 
But the reason he's at nine and not a little bit higher again is after 2011, <laughs> that dip was extraordinary and he was clearly no longer the same player that he, that he used mm-hmm. to be. Because I think, um, and, and this is not a bad thing, he, he was never um, that athletic guy. He just relied so heavily on instincts. And yeah. when those last, couple, <clears throat> those last couple of years, athleticism just went <laughs> down. It was down. And it just wasn't, you couldn't do the things you could when you were younger. Yep. So, yes, you had the instincts, but you couldn't make those plays anymore. You know, Paulo Malu always reminds me of a guy who, like, because I, I, I play soccer. And so, like, I always tell people, soccer is not a sport you can play when you're out of shape. You just can't. No, because you you'll go to try and do things that you know you can skillfully do. But because you're not in shape, you just can't, can't do, it. do it. You can't get to this ball. You can't flick it up in the air. You can't read. Like, your body will not do certain things that you're skilled to do if you're not in shape. And but Palomalu was just like, he got older. He couldn't, is, 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 is the instinct was there. Yeah. But it was just like, yo, my body's done. Um, yeah. And that was actually kind of sad to watch the last two years. It was, because of the kind of guy he was. He was bad, man. He was bad the last two years. He was, <laughs> like, he was bad. Yeah. That's tough. Who I had enough? So you had, you took this guy off. I still, I still have the, I, I have Revis in there. Oh, Revis Allen. And only because, um, literally, like it, his his prime wasn't long, and I don't think people realize that. Uh, but literally, his so he played for the Jets from 2007 to 2012. He was great every year as a Jet. He tore his ACL, and he went to Tampa, which I don't understand. Well, he got forgetting that because <laughs> he, he went to Tampa for a year. And you're running. I can't. I can't remember who was. I think the DC was Lovey Smith. I can't remember. No, he was the head coach. Um, I'm about to look it up. But Tampa, they played a cover two scheme. You know, the Tampa two, blah blah blah. I'm like, you don't need Revis if you're playing that scheme. So it was literally a wasted year. He wasn't bad, but he didn't do anything because, dude, Revis bump and run. That's that's what he does. He was the sole reason. Not the sole reason. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect Tom Brady. But without Revis, New England doesn't win the Super Bowl that year. Absolutely not. They do not win the Super Bowl. And not just because <clears throat> of the Super Bowl game. It was the games leading up. You know, Bill Belichick, and people don't really, when, when you're talking about great corners, you're, you're, you have to keep in mind the playbook opens up for the defensive coordinator. If you don't, you have a guy who's going to shut down that that offense's main target. You can put in so much. Like I, I can't imagine. I, I coach high school football. I play college football. I can't imagine a coverage where you say, "Hey Kelly, lock this man up. Everybody up, so we're gonna do this." I can't imagine that. That's crazy. <laughs> I can't fathom that. Like they could be playing cover four, cover six, cover three, whatever they're playing on the other half of the field. They're gonna say, "Kelly." You lock that man up. You have no help. And everybody else just going to do what they do. Just imagine that. <laughs> so, and that's what he did. He did that all his Jets years. I think his rookie year, he had five or six interceptions as well. I didn't know much about him coming out because, you know, he played at Pitt. But he immediately came on the scene. And I remember Rex Ryan was like, he's the best corner he's ever coached um, when he was the head coach. So from 2000 to 2012, 
2007 to 2012, he was with the Jets. Uh, he went back later on in his career, but that, you know, he was watched. Uh, the Tampa year was kind of a wasted year, but he wasn't bad. New England, he, he was, was getting great. healthy. He was getting yep. healthy at Tampa year because yep. he was, he was just amazing 2014. He went back to the Jets in 15 and 16, and then in, you know, in 16 and then 2017, he was washed. You know, he was washed. So from seven to 12, <clears throat> so you have, you know, you have six years of greatness. Then Tampa, he's getting healthy. Then you got New England, you got seven. So seven-time Pro, Bowl, Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro. He has a ring. He has 29 interceptions, but they didn't throw his way, man. <laughs> they did not throw his way. No. And I, I watched some old um, – that's a one-on-one tape at Jets practices. He was just a technician. People forget he ran a 4-4 at the combine. Yeah. So he wasn't slow, but he was a thick guy. He was like 205, 210. So when he got his hands on you, you were dead. Just a beast. So, you know, just think about his prime. It wasn't long, but in his prime, he was great. Plus the 14 all pro, plus the Revis Island moniker. You thought, okay, there was no question – you know, Richard Sherman was saying he was the best. No. Revis in his prime was the best corner and in the league. Close. And so not close. I'll put him at nine. Yeah. Sherman, I mean, Sherman's great. Sherman's great. But just as far as what Revis did, how he affected the game, you know, you don't know who else was in the secondary. With no. Sherman, you know the three other DBs. Yeah, that's a good point. So. Dang. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah, I don't know who else played in the secondary for the Jets during that time. And, you know, I, I probably should, can't remember. but, you know, but, but folklore, like Legion of Boom is going to live on in folklore because of Sherman, Thomas, Chancellor, and yep. whoever else was on the other side, Brandon yeah, Browner. Browner and you had um, whoever else. It was always that who put somebody else on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, to, to your point, Revis, absolute beast. I think the main thing to, to highlight is that, because we don't see this a lot anymore, but Revis took the best guy on the other team, best wide yep. out. And stayed there for 60 minutes. And that's the key. There was no, oh, I only play at one side, or I only go weak side or strong side, or I only stay. And I was like, no, if Julio Jones goes in motion, I'm sticking with Julio Jones. I don't care what the coverage is. And he was the, before him, I'm sure people did it. You just didn't hear about it. You yeah. didn't hear about a corner, I guess, like I said, we're both 30, but <laughs> you, we didn't, you didn't hear about a corner just, traveling the entire game no matter what no matter what and then even though before like the 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 best show on turf with the rams a lot of guys weren't doing all these motion ins and things like that so they was just the hey if i'm a flanker i'm gonna go to the right if i'm split in i'm always go to the left so yeah like they just stayed on one side then the slot guys went in motion so yeah you make a compelling case, bro. Yeah, there's a list. I mean, I'm 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 persuadable with everybody on this list, to be honest. Um, but this is why we said you, you gotta you gotta we gotta remind folks that this is not saying that these folks other folks were bad. Right. It's just it, we only got ten spots. Yeah. <laughs> Revis is top fifteen on anybody's list. Sherman is top twenty five, but there's a drop off there. Huge drop off. Yes. When you talk about it's, peaks, it's a drop off. All right. So yeah, we mentioned it. Gonna mention it again. Um, if you're enjoying the show and. If you've listened this long, you probably definitely are. Um, make sure you you help support us. You know, share the show on your social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can email links to people you know, like football, 
that's always clutch. Um, and then also, like, please contribute to uh, to our June giveaway. All you got to do is go to the website, www.relentless.love. You'll see a tab at the top that says make a contribution today. Just give at least $5 and then like uh, like two out of our three social media pages, and you'll be uh, you'll be in a drawing to uh, win your choice of free merchandise, either tank top or crop tops. You can show them muscles or those wonderful abs, uh, ladies. And then um, you'll win two books, Spook, uh, The Spook to Sat by the Door by Michael T. Martin uh, and uh, Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Amazing books, nice merch. It's a way for you to support us. Uh, in about a year or less, mark my words, we're going to have advertisers filling in this spot. Uh, right now, we're just advertising for ourselves. So uh, go to the go to the website, www.relentless.love, and uh, support us. Welcome back. Hope you'll uh, join us for that June giveaway. Support Relentless Love. Um, six through eight. You want to go first? Uh, six through eight. So eight, I had um, probably the fastest guy who ever played in the NFL, Daryl Green. Um, yeah. Seven and a half, Dick Night Train Lane. Six, you left them off about, but I, I still have Champ on there. And <laughs> kind of, <clears throat> I didn't I'm even. I'm not opposed. And, and it was one of those things where those, those were, all three of those were in my initial thought. Like, okay, best DBs, you know, when I'm jotting them down, they were on there. Daryl Green doesn't get enough credit, even though he has he had 54 interceptions career. Based. The longevity. This the man thing. played <laughs> in three decades. Wild. 80, he started and he stayed with the same team. So he was with Washington from 1983 to 2002. 1983 <laughs> to 2002. 14 All-Pro. So I think like you and I um, – kind of agree on this you may you make one okay you had a you know maybe you just had a great year you make two okay you're in your peak three you were probably you're you're getting up there with like you know maybe one of the best probably in a decade you're that guy you're that guy you make after three it's like okay bro like you're balling so he made four he made four all pro teams you know he played he played so long, you can argue that, okay, maybe he could have made more, but come on, man. He was just solid every single year. He was either solid or really good every single uh-huh. year. So there wasn't like a, 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 a like a, a cliff dive. So <clears throat> he was a Super Bowl champion as well. All right. Like I said, 54 interceptions, class of 2008 Hall of Fame. All right. You know, <laughs> I'm reading this thing. Uh, it says things you could count on during 1980 to 2000. Death, <laughs> death taxes, and Daryl Green playing corner for the Redskins. Hey. <laughs> he has the NFL record for consecutive seasons with one, at least one interception with 19. That's crazy. Now, 19 seasons. Quarterbacks can do that. They don't get hit a lot. They don't even run a lot. Yeah. You're playing arguably the hardest position on the field, and you play 19 seasons at a high level. That that's pretty impressive. It's ridiculous, bro. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. <clears throat> I have um, Dick Knight, Train Lane. All right, uh, um, 68 career interceptions, and look at the years now: 1952 mm-hmm. to 1965. Mm-hmm. They're not throwing the ball a lot. Nope. The guy has 68 career interceptions, six-time first-team All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler. So that means, you know, the guy, he was that guy for an entire decade. 
He's on the NFL 75th anniversary team. Obviously, he's in a Pro Football Hall of Fame. But his, if, if you watch some highlights or, you know, any type of, any type of film on him, you'll see that, you know, he played with great technique. And I'm, with me, my, my, my college head coach always preached, you know, good technique, good technique. Yeah. You know, if you're not a 4-4, even a 4-5 guy, Richard Sherman is a 4-6 guy. He has great technique. This guy just played with great technique, you know, for a long period of time, and that's how he was able to get those interceptions. And at 6, obviously I had to put Champ in there. Um, and these other guys didn't have their tackles. You know, I imagine their tackles were pretty high. But um, Champ Bailey had 900 tackles. <laughs> Which is so, crazy for his era. Like, that's, it, that's, that's amazing. That, that is amazing. And that means he had a lot of seasons where he's, you know, 70, 80 tackles. 70, 80 tackles. That's 52 career interceptions. He's, a, uh, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. <clears throat> he did have only three-time – he was a three-time All-Pro. He was a three-time All-Pro. But I want to see – and I, let me do – I got to do some, some more digging. Who were the other all pros during those seasons? Yeah. And yeah, because when we think about that era, we think about Champ, man. <laughs> and more so his Denver years, because yep. he only played four years with the uh with Washington. But you know, we think about Champ as being that guy. Yep. So, yep, six, seven, eight, Champ Bailey, date night train lane, Derek Green. Yeah, I'm not too far off, man. Um I think the top of my list might might be a little uh, interesting to some folks. At eight, I got uh, I got Steve Atwater, um, and I was I'm not gonna say I was surprised by that because I actually remember watching him grow up, grow up, uh, watching him play grow up. Um, uh, but two things: one is Atwater was just crazy, uh, crazy durable. Um, Sixteen games most of his career, fifteen. The least amount of games he played was twelve, and that was in his last year, ninety nine. Uh, in New York, played for Denver every other year of his career, two-time All-Pro, uh, but a tackling machine at the free safety position, uh, 1,100 career tackles, 334 of which were solo, which means he would come down in that box and give you a little something. What what kept him down on my list is he only had five sacks, which then I thought about it, and I was thinking, all right, well, probably in, in those sort of 90 schemes, you didn't ask your safety to come down a lot and, and get up the field in the backfield, so I was holding that against him for a minute, but then I didn't. Um, I was the 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 thing that kept him from being higher for me uh, was the lack of interceptions. He had 24 career interceptions. Five was his peak in '91. That happened to coincide with the, one of his only two All-Pro years. Um, but even in that, like he's one of those guys I remember. Play, I remember seeing you know play, and he's just and it's not a whole lot of guys over the course of like the history of pro football that you watch in the secondary and you're like, man, that's a bad dude. Like he just disrupts things. And, and it's not a matter of like being able to knock the, the mess out of people, right? Like this guy just, he, he impacts and changes games by being able, by having range, being able to get to the other side of the field and deflect a pass. You know what I mean? Or, or being able to, to reverse course, open up his hips and, and get to a guy who's running out. Like it's little things like that, that I have vivid memories of, of Steve Atwater. But those things don't show up in sports and highlights. And so I'll be honest with you, if if Atwater was like a 70s or 80s guy, probably wouldn't have him on the list. 
but because I like vividly remember it, like the stats line up, he's a pro football hall of famer, um, first ballot hall of famer, two-time all pro. So the stats are there obviously, but then, you know, he's in the hall of fame, but the, the thing that really stuck out to me is like when my early formative years of first watching the NFL as a kid, it's like, cause I've always just loved the sort of the ballet and the artistry of it. Like, dang, he really, uh, he really changed the game. Like even in, I keep bringing up soccer, but it's a good comparison. Like um, I'm the type of person, like I love offensive line play. You know, I'll, I'll dial that out. Like when Quint, I love watching Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson. I'm, I'm upset. Marshall Yonder's gone. Like I like watching Marshall Yonder. Like I'm just weird. Um, and like even in soccer, like I love watching right backs and left backs, like work, open up their hips, get to balls. Like it's amazing. And that water was kind of that guy, like the beauty and the artistry of him in the secondary, like you just couldn't match. So that's my number eight. Um, number seven I had Dale Green. Not gonna, I'm not gonna regurgitate much of the same reasons. The longevity was absolutely ridiculous. And he was five nine. So for him to be able to do what he did at that size, play as long as he did, be durable with one team, I mean, that just sort of speaks for itself. He's in the Hall of Fame, rightfully so. Uh, I think he's gone on to be a, a, a very successful businessman in the Washington area too, which, you know, assuming I'm rooting for everybody as a black. So had Dale Green seven and then six, I had Mel Blunt, uh, who I, I actually thought I'd have a little bit higher. Uh, and then Mel Blunt again is one of those guys where I got frustrated that like, there's not a lot of tape on him. Now there's, you can find a good amount of it, uh, especially in seventies and eighties when he played with the Steelers from other Super Bowl teams. So there's a good amount of tape out there. The problem is, and this is what I realized, like watching a lot of tape on these guys, is that you can't see a lot of the secondary in the seventies and eighties. The same way you can do like a whole lot better job being able to see secondary, even in the even in the eighties with some Ronnie Lott stuff, the nineties, and then now you know from 2010 on you can find you know coach film on you know, a week seven game in 2011 between the Browns and Jaguars. Uh, but I couldn't find that with Mel Blunt. So, you know, but the numbers sort of speak for themselves, 57 career picks. He played for Pittsburgh his entire career, two-time uh, all-time uh, first, two-time all-time, two-time all-team uh, first pro, first all-pro. Bro, I can't talk today, bro. What's going on here? <laughs> um, but, uh, and and again, what what compounded the frustration of not being able to, uh, watch a lot of film is he doesn't have tackle numbers either they didn't they didn't yeah take tackle that's yet. yeah um so i honestly you know and this might be a separate conversation maybe once i go and find some more film i had a tug of war with, with mel blunt and ed reed because i was able to look at some highlights and then see mm -hmm. a lot of because a lot of their playoff games and super bowls and stuff from the 70s and 80s are on youtube but uh again yeah you just don't get to see the secondary as much but mel blunt was a was a dog um and i had him at number six Okay. Uh I'm gonna go let's uh go top five. Uh yeah. Yeah, we can go top five. Um, um shoot, we probably got the same not the same order, but probably the same top five. Um it, this was tough. Um well four and five, because I love both of these guys. I got Ed at five, Ed Reed at five, Deion Sanders at four. Uh, Charles Wilson at three, Rod Wilson at two, and I got Ronnie Lott at one. And one through three was tough for me because I love Charles Wilson. That's personally, that's my favorite DB of all the time, just because for one, the guy won the Heisman Trophy as a defensive back. That's Not a crazy. defensive back. The guy won the Heisman Trophy as a corner. Wow. <laughs> he only played corner. So obviously he returned the ball and things like that, but he won the Heisman Trophy as a corner. And he goes into the league 
you know, with the Raiders. Should have a Super Bowl. Was it for the Tuck Rule? All right. Well, should have two Super Bowls. Let me, because he didn't. Yeah. He technically didn't play in the one with the Packers, but he was the reason why. Oh, he's why that was that, that defense the way it was. Oh yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So he, he, that's my favorite DB of all time. You don't see guys play corner for an extended amount of time, switch to safety, and still play at a high level. You see corners in the latter part of their career go to safety because they lost a step. I think he gained a step. <laughs> and he I got think better as he got older. I think if he was a safety his entire career, he might be number one on his list. <laughs> yeah. Because his he was able to use his instincts more. Yeah. And he wasn't just, okay, I'm gonna line up against the number one guy and you know just cover. Now, dude, he's blitzing. He's you know, covering slot guys, covering outside guys, covering tight ends. You know, he did it all. And I remember those Raiders years, but I really remember those Packers years because they were so, so recent. His last two years, I was mad he retired. His last year, he had five or six interceptions. He still had it, man. I was, I was upset. And I was like, dude, I want you to get more interceptions, interceptions to put you higher on the all-time list. <laughs> So he's balling and, you know, he's in his late thirties. That's, it, it was crazy. So uh, that's why I got him at three. Dion, uh, obviously, you know, we know about Dion. If we're talking about just who's the best cover corner, you know, it's, it's hard to argue. Oh, he's number uh, one by far. Yeah. yeah. Just cover corner. And, and when I say Charles Wilson, people are like, well, what about Dion? I'm talking about DBs. Like, right. Know. The whole package. <laughs> Charles Wilson did a little <laughs> bit more, but we're talking about, hey, go go guard that guy. It's Deion Sanders. Played from 89 to, you know, 2000. Then he played two years with the Ravens. Eight-time All-Pro. <laughs> Eight-time. That's absurd. That's a – like you said, he was the best in a decade. So, I'm pretty sure – who knows those other two years, he probably deserved to be the All-Pro. And I'm going to look that up, too. But he got two rings, um, two different franchises. This, this, this is how you, you know, this is how you know a player is great. He was the missing piece for the Niners and the Cowboys. Yeah, for two piece. different teams. It's crazy. For two different teams. Like, <laughs> so you went to two different teams and they won a Super Bowl because you were the guy they needed. And what's crazy, his interception total is more impressive because they didn't throw the ball to him all the time. Uh-huh. He, had, he had to bait, you know, quarterbacks. It wasn't like, okay, quarterback is just throwing to the guy because he's the guy. No, we had to bait these guys into throwing him the ball. So, yeah, he's number, uh, he's number four. Ed Reed, you know, I, this guy. <laughs> He just made plays. Just a playmaker, bro. Just made plays. 64 right. career interceptions, 13 defensive touchdowns. He not only made plays, but he got the ball. He got the ball he was trying to score. Bro, that's crazy. You remember the the uh, the field goal return? If you do – Oh, yes. Field, field goal return, like him, uh, I think uh, OBJ had one in college. Um, uh, who else? Who else? Antonio Cromartie. That is – dude, you're running 108 yards full speed. And it's really more because you're weaving through traffic. I don't care if linemen are on the field or whatever. For one, you're 
they're kicking the ball. They're kicking the field goal. So the ball is going in a certain way, and they're catching it with their bare hands. They're not catching it like a return. Right, right. <laughs> they're, just net, they're just grabbing it out the air and like, you know what, let's go. And 11 force fumbles. So Bruh. who knows how many pass defense. You know, from 2002 to 2012, he was great. I don't know what happened in Houston. Ah, <laughs> uh, he should have retired. After the Super Bowl. He, he should have retired after the Super Bowl. Uh, but nobody remembers those years until I just that's real. Up, to be honest. So, you know, he should have he and Ray should have retired together, you know, and uh walked off in the sunset. Uh Rod Woodson, you know, you know let I got I got Rod Woodson at two, Ronnie Lott at one. Let me get, give me your top five. Yeah, man. We probably got the same, and I don't want to, you know, talk about all of them. <laughs> we do. We do. It was tough. It was tough. I left Charles Woodson off my list. Um, feels bad. But, that's again, like, you know, when you get from 4 or 5 to 11 on this list to 15, they all, they, you know, they, they all can jumble together. Um, yeah. So, I actually had people want people to shoot me for this. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. Let me see who you got. I got, uh, I got Dion at 5. Okay. And 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 the reason for that is it goes back to um my guiding question. Could you be an elite DB in 1950, 1980, and 2010? Dion would not have been an elite DB in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. No. Um and and look, the technique would would have still been there. Um and he still would have been a shutdown guy, but he would have had some mean guys running at him over that side, and you couldn't make business decisions in the sixties and seventies. So to that end, like you said, best cover corner in the history of the game. Can lock down an entire field, skill, technique, baiting, speed, all the way there. But as an overall defensive back, being able to play across generations, I got him at number five. Number four, I had Dick Knight Train Lane, um, who I went back and actually watched some of the highlights on. I was actually surprised how much there was. You talked about a lot about this, so I won't regurgitate it. But um, and particularly, it was the way he – for the ESP, he yeah. he went to, he got to the football. You talked about his interception numbers, uh, especially back then. But the biggest thing was, you know, when I look at, you know, historic guys, you know, safeties, corners like him, he was a hitter, but he'd be able to hit and tackle and control an offensive pace today. Like Jack Tatum would would not last in today's league. Love Jack Tatum, but he'd be suspended every other week. Um <laughs> You know, and 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 that was one of the things I thought about. It was just like, all right, when you watch some of these older guys and the punishment they used to bring with them, like could they survive in today's league? Like Lester Hayes, Jack Tatum, not really. Dick Knight Train Lane tended to, like he he would just grab guys by the shoulder pads and throw them down. It doesn't matter what area you play in. These guys <laughs> were still grown men, right? Now, they wasn't as fast and maybe as strong. They're not maybe. They weren't as fast or strong as guys now. But – I always make their argument like you, you can't do that because if guys played nowadays, they would have the advantage of the scientific advancements, the nutrition, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. we're not going to do that. Um, so would, he, would that guy still be elite now? Yeah, Dick Knight train lane would be a, would be a re- ridiculous. He actually, re- I think he would actually be Ed Reed reincarnated, which is why I have Ed Reed at number three, which is a little higher than I thought I would have him. Um, and, you know, people are probably going to cry Homer and bias, and that's cool. <laughs> but you can't – you can't – like, folks who grew up and actually watched every play, one, he's a leader of men, yeah. um, which cannot from, be – Back under, from his Miami days. Back from his Miami – like, he has one of the most iconic college football speeches in the history of the sport. 
yep. a sport that ranges 150 years. And you talk about, you know, any Newt Rockney speech and, and Tebow's, you know, you'll never see another team play as hard as we, you know, and like Ed Reed is up there, you know, at halftime against Boston College. Like those are types of things. Like stuff like that is in folklore. Um, and he's been a leader of men since then. And, you know, he's a big reason why, you know, Ravens won the Super Bowl that year. Um, and then his numbers are, are ridiculous. Five-time All-Pro, um, yeah. which which during that time in, in the 2000s is, is insane. Uh, and then, like you said, ball hawk, score touchdowns, 64 career interceptions. 64. Nine interceptions in 04, nine in 08, eight in we, 2010. I didn't mention this. Uh, we should have highlighted more. Who? Which one of these guys won defense player of the year? Because Ed has one. A safety. Ed has one. At defensive and that's, player and that, of the year. And that's tough. I, I forgot to highlight that. Like Charles Wilson won one, I believe. He did. Let me see. The, I think Dion won one. No, I don't think he won one. But a few of those guys have a defensive player of the year award. And that, that needs to be recognized. That's hard to do, man. Because that's on top, top. All pro, you're at the top of your game, but defensive player of the year yep. as the DB, yep. that's tough. Because at, at that position, like, you have to you have to have the numbers and the notoriety to go uh -huh. with the technique and the skill. You know what I mean? Because it's like a guy can win defensive player of the year. Like, look, it's not saying he doesn't deserve it. Aaron Donald is the best player in football. But you see a lot of what he does. Yeah. Just because the defensive tackle is always in the screen. In the screen, yep. You yep. know what I mean? And so it's easy for me to see a D tackle or edge rusher every single play. When a guy like Ed Reed gets defensive player of the year in 2004, before HD, before, you know, you got NBC and all these other camera views and stuff you can look uh -huh. at before you can stream any game. That means he had the stats, which he did, you know, nine interceptions, you know, 64 solo tackles, two sacks, but it's also, you know, two force, uh, three force fumbles, but it's also the aspect of like, you know this guy is playing the game at a high level when it comes to skill and technique and baiting quarterbacks and, you know, having enough wherewithal to act on instincts and push wide receivers to the sideline and just all the different nuances that are required to play this game at a high level. So to your point, we talk about DBs winning defensive player of the year. That's way more impressive than edge rushers and defensive tackles just because you yeah. can't see everything they do. Yep, yep. So I just made my case for me. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> so Ed Reed at three. We had the same top two. Uh, I just switched them. And okay. I was for sure, I was for sure Ronnie Lott was going to be number one. Uh, and and I, I don't, listen, I, I went back and forth. Bro, I went back and went forth back for like and 30 forth. minutes. I was like, what? Right. Like Rod, Rod Woodson was this good? And like Rod Woodson was always going to be in my top five. Yeah, but yeah, I was like, course. dang, like this guy was this good for this long? And then, because they got a lot of, you know, good thing about you can you can watch a lot of his tape because of the area he played. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, this 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 was that guy. Eighty-seven to oh three. <laughs> that longevity, bro. Eighty-seven to oh like, three, and Ronnie Lott was eighty-one to ninety-five. So these guys are playing at a high level, man. Ronnie Lott was eighteen, first team All Pro. That's crazy. Rod Woodson sixteen. That's crazy. <laughs> 10-time Pro Bowler for Ronnie Lott, 11-time Pro Bowler for Rod Woodson. So you're talking about 10 out of the, let's say, 14 years, 15 years that Ronnie Lott played, he was one of the best. <laughs> 16 force fumbles, 63 interceptions. This is a crazy thing. You think about Ronnie Lott, you think about you getting decapitated across the middle. Pretty the guy much. has 63 interceptions. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. 63 interceptions. Rod Woodson, you just you think about okay, he's versatile. He has 71 interceptions, 13 and a half sacks, 1,100 tackles. Bruh. Like, I don't care. Like, I can flip flop. I can keep flip flopping. I don't care who I put at yeah. one or two, but those are the top two. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of those things, man. This, this might be, and it's a cop out, but it might just be tied for number one. Yeah, you got it. That's 1A, 1B. <laughs> because both these guys are just absurd. And look, I, I think I'm cool with doing that because I actually saw Rod Woodson play. I was I was alive when Ronnie Lott was playing, but I don't you know I don't remember any of that. Um, and so I think maybe that's like my default of of Rod being a little bit yeah. better. But um, like I'm mind blown by both of these guys. Like you said, 1100 tackles. The only I think the if, if you wanted to make the argument, you can say, okay, Ronnie Lott won four Super Bowls. <laughs> Granted, you know he True. had he had Joe Montana, you know he had Jerry Rice, he had Bill Walsh, like you know. He had all of that going for him. But, you know, Rob Wilson was also in a great organization. He was. Pittsburgh and Baltimore. He won one in Baltimore, but, you know, you can go back and forth. You can make the argument either way. I, I don't even care. But those two guys are two, one and two. Well, Ronnie was a postseason game changer, too. Um, you know, he played well in, in the postseason for the most part. Uh, he had two picks in 81, two picks in 88, two picks in 89. Like, when you talk about two interceptions in the playoffs – in the NFL, like yeah. there's there's no such thing. Any interception you get in a postseason is a big time play. It's a big time um, play. You know, because possessions are at a premium. So he always showed up in big games. But Rod Woods, well, yeah, he did, he did, he did have, he did have Joe Montana and Bill Walsh. But um, <laughs> well, they only brought that up because of the Super Bowls, right? But other than that, they had nothing to do with the defense. He no. was a leader of that defense. So no, not. And yeah, man, I don't know. Both these guys, uh, if I had to pick, it's tough. <laughs> if you had to pick, who would it be? Um, I it's unnecessary. I no, I, I would I would probably go with Rod just because of. I mean, obviously, in Ronnie Lott's era, they threw the ball, but you know, as we went into the 2000s, they opened it up more. So yeah. I just feel like, you know, he had a little bit bigger challenge. Not saying that Ronnie Lott wasn't great, <laughs> but, you know, Rod Woodson probably saw, you know, some more complex coverages. They probably saw, you know, more skillful receivers, skillful offensive schemes. So, you know, I think I, I, I would probably, I would probably go with Rod. And, you know, I'm not mad at anybody. Like you said, I'm not mad at anybody who would choose Ronnie Lott because the guy was great. The guy was great. And both of them, both of them are obviously in the class of, uh, obviously in the Hall of Fame. They're both on the NFL 100 all-time team, as they should be. But I don't see, if we're talking about anybody other than those two, at one and two. Oh yeah, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I only want. <laughs> like I said, to I him. wanted to put Charles Wilson there because he's just my favorite. But you know, I can't. No, I can't do that. I mean, yeah, that's just hard to do. I mean, Rod, Rod Woodson. Like we just made the case for safeties and corners defensive player of the year. Rod was 93 defensive player of the year, which is big time. Uh, 11 Pro Bowls. We don't care about that. But six time All Pro, which yeah. is the same as Ronnie Lott. And you know, Ronnie Lott never won a defensive player of the year, which you know, is is hard to do, and we recognize that. But, but for a guy like Rod, <laughs> for, 
a guy if, like If you want it, we got to acknowledge that. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think what's the – like, if I had to pick, I'd still go Rod. I mean, there's still 1A, 1B. But it was mm-hmm. the – it was his age 37 season um, when he made another all-pro team, you know, uh, still managed to recover three fumbles, somehow managed to have eight interceptions at age 37. Oh, wow. Like, it's just – is it's ridiculous and and how you do because he obviously wasn't the same player like you can watch him on tape at that point the athleticism isn't isn't there but it's just a it's a it's an innate sort of ridiculous level of of understanding and intellect in the game and being able to see how these guys sort of changed over time and how they realized their bodies weren't the same but they still stay at an elite level that's one of the best things i think about sports in general but especially at this position because quarterbacks don't have to change that much you know um you know, like maybe, you know, maybe, you know, Brett Favre stopped running around as much as he did when he got older. And, you know, maybe, you know, Tom doesn't pat the ball as much or whatever it might be. But at the DB position, like, it's more artistry when you recognize, all right, I can't do this anymore because my body's not 27, but I can do this or I learn how to do that. Like, that's yeah. the game changer. Um, yeah, I, w- I would go Rod if I had to pick. So that's the list, man. I enjoyed this yeah, one. It, I did too because it was, it, it was tougher. Um, it, it, it was tough because of, you know, you got to take it. Like we didn't, I, I forgot all about, you know, thinking about defense player of the year awards and you got to think about these all pros and you know the air and things like that. So yeah, this, I enjoyed this one, man. Yeah. We got to, we got to post this one on, uh, when we post the link, we got to post the, our list on Twitter man. see what the people got to say. Bet, bet, bet. <laughs> to that end, man, y'all make sure y'all follow us on Twitter at, um, at relent.love go ahead and check us out at www.relentless.love dropping lots of new content uh, as we mentioned in the in, in the break make sure you check us out uh, be sure to jump in on our june giveaway we don't have venture capitalist money we don't have big money like bill simmons but we're black and making a uh, <laughs> diverse content so make sure you support us y'all. we appreciate it um we are back next thursday so now we're switching to uh dropping episodes every thursday so you can expect us every thursday uh, we were doing Wednesday, but check your feed every Thursday. We'll have new episodes. Kelly, thanks for thanks for enlightening us, man. It's actually good to have somebody who actually knows a position talking about it. So yeah, man, <laughs> hey, I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day, defense hey. in general, but especially secondary. I love hey, it. <laughs> I'm with it, man. Appreciate you, bro. Hey, we'll see y'all next week.